It's now been a month since the murders of the four university students of Idaho, and things are getting really, really bananas. People are starting to come out of the woodwork, there's been a lot of chitter-chatter and a whole lot of rumors, and sometimes there's some truth to these rumors. But today we're going to talk about each aspect of this case, what the oddities are, what's the fake news, and get to the bottom of it. So now, let's get into it. Earlier in the investigation, there were reports from a neighbor saying that the front door was left open at the 8.30 a.m. timestamp just hours after the murders. We haven't really heard anything since then about this timestamp. However, Police Chief James Fry was actually asked about this and it was stated that he was asked at a recent Christmas parade about it and he said this was news to him. So I find that interesting. I find that odd uh, that there was reports of that and maybe it was just chitter chatter. We know in the timeline, and I did create a video on that, that the murders happened between three and four o'clock and that the roommates didn't wake up until later on that morning and 12 o'clock around that time was when the 911 call was made. Now let's jump to Kaylee's injuries for a minute because now there's more gruesome details coming out about Kaylee's injuries. But there's a little bit of confusion or a lot bit of confusion around this. It says that Kaylee's dad, Steve, we have seen him quite a bit in the news. I've said this in my last few videos, but it was reported that it was an exclusive that Fox News was talking to Steve and Steve talked about Kaylee's injuries. He earlier said that they definitely did not match the others. And now he's reportedly saying that he's talked to the coroner and asked her how many times they were all stabbed. And this is what Steve said. She says, sir, I don't think stabs is the right word. It was like tears, like this was a strong weapon, not like a stab. She said these were big open gouges. She said it was quick. These weren't something where you were going to be able to call 911. They were not going to slowly bleed out. Steve believes that this is the work of a sadistic male, he says, and he also says it was a hell of a battle going on down there from what the coroner told us. I got outraged by them, meaning the police, not just coming out and saying this was a woman or a man because they should know by the amount of strength it took to deliver injuries. And I talked about this in a previous video where profilers are saying they believe it was a male, a younger male. He says they're just being cowards. There are girls walking around the street right now that deserve to know they should be looking out for a sadistic male. And and there has been talk, I did this in my last video about Kaylee being the target, but he's talking this is so incredibly different and deep, deep wounds. A retired Moscow police officer talked about being a target and he said that this may have been motivated by revenge. He doesn't know who was the target. He said maybe there's only one target and the other three were collateral damage. Why they were targeted, nobody knows yet. That involves deciphering all the digital data that they're going to have to go through. You have 20 people looking at tens of thousands of pieces of information. That will lead them to something, but it's going to take time. Now, Kaylee's sister weighed in on this information about Kaylee's injuries. And she said in a discussion page, Hi, Steve's daughter, Kaylee's sister here. I hate to make the post, but unfortunately this reporter got bad information. We are also working with our lawyer to get this removed, but wanted to let you know from the source, this information was not given to anyone at Fox from our family. However, it was stated in the Fox uh, article 
that said that it was directly from Steve. And later on, Kaylee's sister deleted this post. She goes on to say, unfortunately, so many news outlets sensationalize, leave out context, and get their information from dirty streams. We have had our homes tapped by media, our workspaces bombarded, our cell phones nearly unusable due to the calls, text, and voicemails. So please know any credible information from us will come through our lawyer from here on out to maintain the integrity of the investigation, as well as the legacy of our daughters and sisters. We will not disgrace them or their memory with tabloids style speech about them. Now, let's just talk a little bit about the details and I'm not going to get into the details about Kaylee, but this could be damaging to the case. Now, think of it from the aspect of the authorities and of, let's say, confessions people who confess to a crime that they didn't commit. The real killer would know these intimate details. And now this is coming out. I don't know how I feel about this. Let me know what you think below. If there's an updated version of what the heck is going on about this, please let me know below. If it's been cleared up, I've spent you know a couple of days diving into this entire video and it takes time to collect proper true sources. Let's go a little bit more into the coroner because there's some odd weird things also being reported that the coroner who ruled on these four students is also a defense attorney and I also understand that she's been a nurse and this coroner slash lawyer is actually representing a guy that's just been recently arrested. He has a criminal history but all kinds of crap is hitting the fan. He was recently arrested on just Tuesday, I believe it was. According to the court document, it says this guy who's 39 allegedly beat his wife and stalked her around the house with a knife late Tuesday and then slashed himself with a knife. And police are saying that this is not related to these students' murders. It is unrelated. He was charged with domestic battery with traumatic injury, aggravated assault, attempted strangulation and felony injury to a child. Now he has a history of violence. He pled guilty in 2007. It says to a fatal shooting. He shot and killed a guy outside of his house. He's claiming it was self-defense because he says he was threatened and he said he was threatened before with bats and machetes. So what's connected in a sense is that this lawyer slash coroner is representing this guy and she has her own firm. Her name is Kathy Maybutt. Maybutt? Don't know, let me know below. <laughs> so according to this guy's history, that happened in 2007. In 2009, he took a plea deal. He admitted to involuntary manslaughter, it says, in exchange for a five to 15 year sentence. The court suspended his sentence in May 2009 and he was placed on 15 years probation. He was almost at the 15 year mark. It was just under and then he was arrested this past week for these assault charges. Police arrived at this guy's house. They found his wife with blood on her nose and her mouth. And then he was ordered to come out of the back room and he had blood on his hands and a large cut on his forearm. According to the criminal complaint, it says dispatch advised an intoxicated husband punched his wife in the head and struck his daughter. His wife told police that he drank half a bottle of gin and became heavily intoxicated. And it said he had accused her on cheating on him. And he yelled at her in front of her two kids, 20 years old and 15 years old, and her daughter's 21 year old boyfriend and a one year old grandchild. Then it says in the document that he 
went back into the room and began cutting himself. His wife checked in on him and he punched her, allegedly. And then he also allegedly beat up the 15-year-old who was later found with a concussion. He was also accused of stalking his wife around the house with a knife and then slashed his own arm while she was on the phone to 911. Again, the police say this is unrelated. Now about Kathy, the lawyer slash coroner slash nurse, she became a coroner in 2006 and she opened her law office in 2003. And it says the office handles criminal defense, divorces, custody cases, and simple wills. And it also says she is one of three contracted public defense attorneys for the county. She also handles both indigent and private cases. So this is interesting to me. I didn't know that a lawyer can also be the coroner. To me, and this is just my opinion, that I wouldn't think they could do that. I mean, what if, let's not use this guy because I don't want people to go, oh, but Linda said blah, 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 blah. What if you had a guy that she's representing that ends up being the killer of these four students? I would think that's a conflict, wouldn't you think? I'm a little confused as to why this is the way it is. Let me know below if there's a logical explanation. To me right away, I thought, oh my gosh, what if she's representing a guy who ends up being the killer? I mean, how does that work? Let me know below. Now let's move on to the car because there's lots of chitter chatter about this vehicle. The authorities are looking for a white 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra. And the police are saying that this vehicle or the occupant or occupants in the vehicle may have critical information of the case. And even according to a retired police captain, he was saying that the police must have a significant potential lead if they're looking for this vehicle and putting it out to the public. He says, you've got a college town with 10,000 college kids that all drive high-end vehicles and you're looking at an Elantra that is a really common car is white. I don't know why they released that. That's the information they're holding tight for some reason. And he also said they're playing it really, really tight. He says, Bill Thompson is our county prosecutor. I've worked every case with Bill Thompson. He is one of the smartest men I know. When Bill says, keep it tight, there's something going on and they're not going to tease the public with, oh, this is what I've got. And as a side note, this police chief also talked about the other officers and the people involved in this case. And he says, as a retired officer, I talk to them to see how they're doing. My concern is I know what this does to a human being. I know what this does to investigators. I know how it feels because your mind is always on it. They're not going to quit. They're like a dog chasing a mole. My biggest concern in the investigation is my friends who are busting their arse getting home at 10 o'clock at night and trying to get some sleep, trying to be a father and a husband. The cases I worked there, they were endless. It just wears you down. And imagine having to be the people and responders who had to go look at that crime scene. It's horrific. This doesn't I mean, you're not human if it doesn't affect you other than the killer. Now, another oddity in the case is the time gap. There's a time gap of Zana and Ethan. The authorities are trying to piece that together. There's a five hour time gap from nine o'clock to 1.45 when they got home. Now, I've heard recently that Zana's mom, I believe it was Zana's mom who was saying that it was under the impression that they may have gone to a club. So don't quote me that they did. They may 
have gone to a club that night. I'm looking forward to finding out more of the timeline so I can piece it together and of course do one of my timeline videos so we can see what the heck is going on. And in the reports it says that the officials admitted that they are puzzled by this time gap. They said any interactions, context, direction, and method of travel or anything abnormal could add context to what occurred. Now back to the crime scene, there's been some new information that's odd information and we don't know if it's actual evidence or not evidence, but it was said that there was a glove found and it was found by Chris McDonough from the interview room who was at the property and had turned this in. He said, I actually found a glove and turned it. I pointed it out to the officer who was there securing the scene and they came and they collected it. The officer that was there, obviously they didn't know about it because he came over and photographed it and he talked to the evidence. They had evidence tech and immediately, you know, later they came out and got it. But he says, is this from the night? Is it random? i.e. somebody missed the trash can and they were walking by. Is the suspect taunting the authorities by, you know, placing something like that hypothetically? So stay tuned for that. I mean, it could be anything at this point. I think Chris would agree. Until there's more information, we don't know. Now let's get to the actual scream. In my last video, I talked about a neighbor reporting hearing screams the night of the murders. People have been flooding my comments saying, Linda, it's been debunked, you're not getting your facts straight, blah, blah, blah. However, they didn't listen to my video. I was talking about a neighbor saying that there were screams. What these commenters were talking about was the YouTuber who faked the screams from another YouTuber's video, apparently, and then created the video and posted it. Now, it's my understanding, I did not see the video, but it's my understanding that his videos were taken down and all the Idaho videos were taken down. So there's two different things. One, the YouTuber faked this scream, put it on a video and put it out there to the world. I don't know what possessed him to do that. I know there has been reports before that he's the same person that put out some cockamamie video also on the Gabby Petito video. I don't know. All I know is this is different from what I'm saying. The neighbor's name is Einon Harsh and he's saying, he's a chef and he's saying, that when he returned home, he was falling asleep and he heard what seemed to be a scream, but he thought maybe it was a party scream, but he was second guessing himself after the actual event occurred. I was also told that the YouTuber who, who did the fabrication also did one on the uh, body cam footage from the police. I did not see it, but I was told that even at that, there was no due diligence done as to the particulars of the video. I may be doing a video on that body cam footage. I mentioned it in my last video, but I have not decided yet to do it. Stay tuned for that. And speaking of fake, there's another account. There was a fake reporter and this was from November 23rd. You may or may not heard of it, but a woman stood up at a press conference and she identified herself as Destiny Martin from the Pathfinder, which is a student run newspaper at the Lewis Clark State College in Lewiston, Idaho. There's nothing wrong with asking these questions. However, she 
gave a false name and she stated she was part of this newspaper. So later on, on Facebook, the Pathfinder actually made a statement and said, it has come to the attention of the Pathfinder that during the Moscow Police Department's press conference on Wednesday, November 23rd, an individual identified herself as a member of our staff. This is not true. The individual is not affiliated with the Pathfinder. Members of our students and staff were not in attendance at the press conference. We apologize for the confusion. We are also confused and concerned about the actions of the individual and have requested that the behavior cease. Now, according to this woman, she said, you guys are out there speculating and I'm just trying to show you guys from first person perspective what it's like to be up here right now. I'm trying to give you guys the most accurate information, spread awareness, and I'm also trying to give you guys actual authentic coverage from a non-news source. And in another clip it said, She's been helping in this investigation as a concerned citizen who was asked to help. But apparently this person has four different names and there's a bunch of crap that goes along with that. So like I said, there's nothing wrong with people asking questions. There's something wrong, in my opinion, with claiming to be that you're part of a newspaper that you're not. It's a little bit weird. Now there's another oddity about the killer striking again. This was a little extreme, in my opinion. There was some headlines from news outlets that was saying, you know, killer may strike again on the weekend, this past weekend. And that's not what the police were saying. The police were saying to be vigilant, stay vigilant, be aware of your surroundings, you know, because there was actually a um, graduation ceremony going on. All of a sudden we're seeing that the police are saying that the killer might strike again and all this other stuff. So I thought that was extreme. I haven't really seen, I know tabloids will do that, but I've even seen the news saying that. I'm going, what, what's going on? What are they saying? And then when you see it, you're like, that's not what the police said. I don't know what the heck's going on. And all they were saying is stay vigilant, stay in groups and keep your phones on you. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Here's the quote. With commencement this weekend, there will be an influx of people coming in from out of town. Moscow Police Department and Idaho State Police will provide coverage on campus and in the Moscow area. As always, we want to remind the public to stay vigilant, travel in groups, and communicate with family and friends as you travel. Regarding the safety of the public, police recommendations for safety measures are good reminders in general and in light of what has happened in this community. These reminders are not an indication of a specific or elevated risk to the community. Investigators continue not release detailed information 
preservation. It is what must be done to preserve the integrity of the investigation. Now I'm going to touch on this because we're speaking about the authorities and we talked about the YouTuber fabricating these screams, which is horrendous in my opinion. The police say investigators have been monitoring online activity related to this ongoing and active case and are aware of the large amount of rumors and misinformation being shared, as well as harassing and threatening behavior toward potentially involved parties. Anyone engaging in threats or harassment, whether in person, online, or otherwise, needs to understand that they could be subjecting themselves to criminal charges. Moscow Police Department cautions the public not to rely on rumors and remains committed to keeping the public informed. We urge reliance on official channels for accurate information. Now, speaking of accusations, there's been a neighbor who's been blamed for the murders at some point. I think that was a, maybe a week ago, could be two weeks ago now. These days are, you know, melding together. But there was a man who had admitted on camera that he's a little awkward on camera. He says that I'm a naturally awkward person. It's just my mannerisms and the way I talk. And he was talking and giving interviews to many, many, many different news outlets. But the reason he's saying that he's giving these interviews is because he's trying to help in any way that I he can. He was actually interviewed and saying, you know, what do you know? He says that there were parties that were kind of loud. He said, as I would take my dog in and out to go to the bathroom, I would just be walking by the house. He said, I would look up and I would see people in the windows almost every night, probably four or five nights a week. Then what happened was the public started to attack this guy and started accusing him of the murders because he's also a law student and they're saying that he's like Stephen McDaniels, who is a guy in 2011 who was fed he was found guilty in 2011 of killing a fellow student. Now I do get that oftentimes a killer will insert themselves in the case and they will read everything that they can on it. They'll give the interviews. We've seen that before and plenty of times. So I get what they're saying, but it is going a little bit bananas these days. You have to admit that. Now the neighbor stated, I have nothing to hide. I'm willing to give my DNA fingerprints, whatever they need. You know of other oddities in the case, let me know below. Now we do know earlier on in the investigation, there was also chat about a cyclist threatening other people with knives. I had that also in another video. That was about in September that this occurred. So that is a fact that isn't chitter chatter. However, there's also reports of a dog being skinned the week before and the police do not believe that that is related. So there's a lot of oddities to this case. I feel like there's more than normal. It seems like, yeah, there's always gonna be oddities in the case. There's always gonna be, you know, things that are coming out of the woodwork. But also I feel like in that short time in the month, some things are really quick to go crazy and some things are taking its time, right? Every case is different. But it is important also that many times in a lot of the chitter chatter, there's some form of truth. If we rewind a little bit and go back to the Gannon Stout case with his stepmother, Letitia Stout, who's currently awaiting trial for the murder of Gannon, it was said way back in, I think it was the first couple days when Gannon went missing, that there was a brown suitcase missing and that somehow got leaked out. Later on, Gannon was found in a suitcase deceased under a bridge. So a lot of people were debunking that and saying, you know, that's not true and, and that is true. So sometimes there's a little bit of truth that comes out. 
And once you get a ton of people talking, just like I believe this car, this car is, you know, they're trying to find it. There's tons of cars around the area. I am going to do something and touch on something because I was given a piece of information earlier this morning about it, but I do not want to talk about it right now. But speaking on what I can say was there's reports coming in about the car or a car matching the description um, being seen at a gas station. So stay tuned for that. I will put that in my next or next couple videos. Make sure you click that subscribe button and hit that like button. Do all the stuff to let the algorithm know that, hey, I'm doing a good job and you guys like my videos. If you want to see the case, check it out right here and leave a comment so we can have a chit chat. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.